Jasmine, my first question for you is why are you being so annoying today? I know. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Twinspiration. <gasps> we we need a... a good news mint. Oh, inspiration. No. Okay, okay. You talk. I'll find one. Okay. But talk like interestingly. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Twinspiration. On this episode, we are going to do part two of what we did two weeks ago on our last Twinspiration, where I am going to interview Aspen because I think she's inspiring too. And I'm just talking because we didn't find a okay, I found one. In it. I found one. Oh, yay, we found one. I mean, we didn't just look for them. We have a list. We just forgot to pick which one we were talking about today. But I think this one's really cute. So this story is at a high school in Texas. These students noticed that their janitor, who was supposed to be retired, but then he returned. They were wondering what he was doing back and found out that he had to return to work because the cost of living was getting so high that he couldn't afford retirement anymore and his rent increased a lot. And so these students decided to help him because he was 80 years old and that they just noticed that it was really hard for him to be doing all of that work. And so they decided to start a GoFundMe to try to help him afford his rent so he wouldn't have to have a job anymore. So they started a GoFundMe and their goal was to raise $10,000 and they started posting videos of the janitor on their social media and stuff, trying to get people to donate. And they ended up raising $270,000 to help the janitor retire. Isn't that so adorable? Uh-huh. How sweet of them. That is. It really just shows you that there's good in the world, even when everything's so expensive. <laughs> yeah. And also other bad things, but things are just way too expensive these days. Yeah. We should just make everything free. No, you know what? that'd be an no. issue. I had a really good idea the other day. Now I wish I remembered it. Because this well, that's a, a good story. This would be a really good story if I remembered it. But it was a really good idea about instead of paying for things, how people could pay for things without using money so that it was more fair. And it was such a good idea. Why don't I remember it? It was some sort of like trade system, but I, this is not interesting because I don't remember it. It okay. was going to like change the world and then I forgot it. Well, darn. Speaking of changing the world, it is your chance to introduce our most world-changing Twinspiration guest ever. Yes, this week we are interviewing the amazing, the incomparable, the inspirational, the one and only Aspen Summers, who is my twin sister and the other host of this show. And if you didn't know that, you should probably go back and listen to a few previous episodes. You probably heard that Aspen interviewed me last Twinspiration, and now I get to interview her, and we are very excited for you to all hear about her story since you've heard her talk to a lot of other people and now as you learn about her don't interrupt me i'm an interviewer so i have to say preface that ashley's excited i think that i talked through all of ashley's interview so i'm think you guys already know my story but that's okay no you didn't well i'll ask you different questions okay it's just because all the things i asked ashley about she and i talk so much about in life, so we just, I had so many things to say. Okay, Aspen. Sorry, go ahead. My first question. Well, you have to do the, like, the hi, Aspen. Oh, Thanks okay, for doing okay. us. 
And you the, have a lot of rules. And without further ado, here is Aspen. I, I don't summer. like this guest very much. <laughs> She's very bossy. bossy. Well, without further ado, I now present Aspen K. Summers. Also, if you didn't know, her middle name is actually Kelly, but she doesn't like it, so that's why she says no, Kay. No, I go by my middle name, by Aspen Kelly Summers in normal life, but in my acting name, I don't use the whole name because it's spelled K-E-L-L-I and nobody spells it right. Oh, I guess I didn't know if we were using your acting name or your, like, business name. We're just using Aspen. I don't okay. know. Okay. <laughs> like, like, um, okay. Madonna? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm just gonna go by Aspen Okay. Now. Without we should just go, but we should both go by twin. <laughs> no, thank you. Without further ado, I now present Aspen. Hi, Aspen. Welcome to Twinspiration. Hi, thank you for having me. This is such an awesome studio. I've never been here before. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? So, Aspen, my first question for you is, what is your favorite thing about your twin sister? How much she reminds me of me. Oh, that's a good one. I think my favorite thing about my twin sister is how... How cute she was as a baby. <laughs> no, how she always has compassion for everybody no matter what and doesn't get annoyed at people even when I'm annoyed at them. <laughs> I get annoyed at you, though. That's true. I mean, she, your twin sister, probably gets annoyed at you, I can imagine, because you seem kind of annoying. Yeah, I think my twin sister takes out her annoyance at other people on me because she just loves other people too much to let them know that she's annoyed with them. But I don't mean, like, annoyed with them for doing stupid things. I mean, like, the kid in theater class who is running around the auditorium the entire class and not listening, and she just gives him hugs and lets him sit on her lap and then has to express that annoyance somehow later. I know, but I also feel like I'm just, there are certain people that I'm just incapable of being annoyed at, like kids. Not that I never get annoyed at kids, but I feel like it's like being annoyed at a baby or a puppy. Like, I just can't. Anyways, this isn't about you, not about your twin sister, so. Yeah. So let's start at the very beginning. This is kind of similar to what we talked about in mind, but I want to know for you, when do you first remember being an ambitious, aspirational person and like just going after things instead of thinking that you were just a kid and you couldn't do them. I thought you were gonna say when do you first remember being an ambitious Aspen? <laughs> oh, that would have been better. <laughs> Ask it again, I'm just kidding. Okay. I mean, it's hard because since we just talked about this, I feel like I don't know what my memory is versus what you said, but I feel like I remember being three years old in preschool and just really wanting to make food for our classmates. Like, I mm -hmm. think it was a summer birthday party or something, and we were going to create all of these recipes to bring into our classmates, and we just combined all of our favorite things. So we made salt and pepper popsicles, and we made jelly muffins. That yes. sounds like that could be a ra real thing to eat, but they were like sticky, globby messes of... <laughs> it was like milk syrup. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that wasn't super ambitious, like I'm going to go out and start a business, but I feel like that's the first memory I have of this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. We're going to bring this whole buffet of all these treats that we want to have in for our friends and not, oh, it's our birthday. What treat do we want? And I guess part of it was, I feel like, I guess both of our nurturing spirit, maybe that it was not, we're celebrating my birthday. What should I get for my birthday? But like, 
we need to be so fun and have all of these things for our friends. But I think it was also more than that. It was, I just loved creating and doing things and I don't know, being busy, I guess. <laughs> That's probably my first memory. But then I think the lemonade stands slash jewelry businesses we would have in our driveway. But I also think that those ideas kind of came from our parents doing fundraisers for their foundation and me just always thinking we needed to, not needed to, but like I wanted to join in and I wanted to fundraise for nonprofits too. Yeah, and I think that when we were little and we would do fundraisers or try to raise money for nonprofits, I feel like we knew what we were doing. Like we would decide we wanted to raise money for our parents' foundation or we wanted to raise money for Children's Hospital because we knew that that was going to help people. And I think that's kind of how our parents explained things like that to us. Mm -hmm. I remember being seven and we were in Home Depot right before Christmas. And I don't remember why this conversation came up, but I didn't know that there is a such thing as people who are experiencing homelessness. And then for some reason, my dad told me that there's people who don't have houses. And I was just like sobbing in the middle of Home Depot because Aww. I thought that was so sad. <laughs> After that, then I was like, oh, for Christmas, I want to collect all of my old toys and donate them to kids who live in homeless shelters. And I'm not trying to be like, oh my gosh, look at me. I was so good and philanthropic. I think it was just, I had a really hard time comprehending that other people had to go through things that sounded so terrible. And I just wanted to help them. I knew that I was lucky to have such an amazing family and have such wonderful circumstances in my life. And I felt like if there was anything I could do to make a difference, I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And I was going to ask when you said about us taking in our buffet of delicious treats. Well, my first question was, do you think we liked those things? I uh, can't imagine that we did, except I know we used to eat ranch dressing and applesauce yeah. mixed together on a regular basis. And I know we liked jelly muffins. Uh-huh. I feel like there was things that we would consistently make. Like, we would always make this soup for our parents that was smashed bananas, salting crackers, and cheddar cheese. <laughs> and I feel like we made, unless I made that up, but I feel like we made that many times. Yeah. So we had to have thought it was good somehow. Okay, then my real question was, I feel like we both always kind of had more of a nurturing spirit and like wanted to take care of other people and help other people. And I'm not sure if that's a thing that a lot of kids have, but I feel like when we've been working with kids, we've noticed, and I don't remember if we were this way, we probably also had a lot of this when we were little, but it's very much about like, I want to be it. I want to be the one who does this. I want this. I want that. I want things my way, which I think is not a problem. So I'm not trying to say like we were so awesome and I don't remember if we were that way or not, but I just feel like the way that I remember it, we were always the ones that wanted everyone else to be happy first. And so I'm curious, do you remember that being a conscious decision or you just, that was ingrained in your personality to want to take care of other people? I don't know because I remember that with you, I would often get told, you don't always need to have your way. You just need to be the bigger person sometimes. You're so stubborn. And I think I was very stubborn with you at times and that there were times when I did want my way. That being said, I sort of feel like because we were twins, 
I kind of think that caused a lot of that nurturing spirit because and I don't know I like you said I don't remember but I don't think that we were the kids who always wanted to be it or wanted to be wanted everything to be about us which is funny because we're actors <laughs> um and we've talked about this I think on this podcast before that when we fight more often than not it's you just have your way no you have your way no this is how you want it just have it the way you want it no it's fine I don't care and well you're gonna be upset about it I think being twins we both just had to be used to right away that it was always one or the other we always had to take turns we always had to share it wasn't like even when you have a sibling but you're not doing the same things 24 7 you don't have all of the same toys and you don't have the same person paying attention to you at the exact same moment so it's not like you're constantly not fighting but one person's getting the attention or getting the toy or getting the bath time or whatever and the other one's waiting and so I feel like we just got used to that's just what you do is you have to share you have to wait your turn you have to let the other person have their way and I think that we probably got told that a lot more because it came up a lot more but I also think I don't know if it was just because we played with baby dolls a lot or because we just had a mom who set a really good example and a dad who set a really good example I'm referring to the motherliness that Mm -hmm. I feel like we both kind of inherited maybe it's a little bit genetic because obviously I never knew them as children but our mom and our grandma were both very much or our mom is very much that way of just wanting to be nurturing and provide for everybody and make everybody happy and I feel like people pleasing is kind of a little bit of the Welker genes so maybe that's where that came from. Sorry, that was a really long-winded answer. Yeah, and that's what I don't want anyone listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, they're so conceited. They're just sitting there talking about how awesome they were as kids because any quality has its upsides and downsides. I don't think we're saying, oh, we were so perfect. Yes, in some ways we were different from other kids in that we wanted other people to get what they wanted. Sorry, I'm saying wanted so much. We also, because of that, became big people pleasers and I don't mean people pleasers in a good way I mean people pleasers where everyone is just like oh my gosh will you just make a decision or speak your mind or stop being so annoying because it always is like well we have an opinion and then we say our opinion but then we feel like it makes somebody upset so then we take back our opinion and then we get upset because we think other people are upset even though nobody's upset but then everyone is upset because now we're upset and so we're acting like crazy pants because we're just (laughs) crying about something that doesn't matter because we think everyone's mad and nobody is so us i know that doesn't happen you must be thinking of somebody else i know But no, I agree with you, and I think that also another problem, especially when we were kids, we would be the ones that didn't want to say that we wanted to be it or whatever, because we, and when we say it, that means, like, when you play games with little kids and, like, you play tag or whatever and someone's it, we would want other people to get their way and to get to be it, but then we would end up being frustrated because we didn't get the attention or we didn't get our way. I think you bring up a good point, because I think especially there was a time in elementary school where I would get really jealous when all the other kids would have the teacher's attention or we would have high school leaders come in for field day or something and they loved all of the other kids and I felt like just ignored me because I didn't want to be the kid who was like me 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 talk to me pick me climbing all over them but I also (laughs) then when they didn't pay attention to me I was like but I'm being such a good kid why don't they care about me yeah so then knowing what you just said about us being a little bit 
different in the way that we've behaved from at least how we experience with other kids now? Do you feel like you noticed when you were little that you were different than other kids and that you had different ambitions and that, you know, I think we talked about in the last episode, some of the things that we would try to do in our friends wanted to play or they didn't want to come rehearse for our plays. <laughs> um, so do you feel like you ever felt like awkward or discluded or out of place because you were so, not so different, but just had different ideas of and fun? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because you had quirks or do you feel like you operated in a different world, you know? I think on the one hand, not even for a second did I think that it was different than the other kids, the things that I wanted to do. I thought it was just normal that every kid wanted to make movies and put on theater productions and have carnivals in their backyard and put on fundraising concerts. And some of that was other kids would say, oh, I want to make a movie. I want to be in a play. But it wasn't like, I'm going to go out and do it. And ours was every idea we had was like, okay, now we have to go do it. So from that angle, I think I never thought that I was doing something different than any of the other kids, except that I also think I did feel like I was different than most of the other kids in my classes and stuff from the standpoint of I really wanted to be a good student and I really wanted to follow all the rules and not talk when you weren't supposed to talk and bring my home, do my homework every day and like school was the most important thing. I thought if I got a three instead of a four, which in elementary school we had number grades and four was the highest grade. So I think from the school angle, I realized that that made me weird or made me feel weird. Besides all this ambitious stuff, I really wanted to be an opera singer and mm -hmm. kids would always tell me that that was weird. And I think that I knew that that was weird and that most kids didn't like that from a very young age and probably partly because our parents worked on weekends and we would often go with them so we weren't at soccer games or having playdates with friends we were at races interacting with our parents staff all the time and so i remember from a really young age i feel like i always preferred to talk to adults than talk to kids mm -hmm. and so it was a little bit okay with me because I would rather talk to the librarian about classical music than talk to the other 10 or 11 year olds about pop music that I didn't even know who the pop singers were. So speaking of you wanting to be an opera singer, do you want to, for people who don't know, um, tell a little bit about how you got into this business we call show? <laughs> sure. So when I was had just turned seven years old, my dad and Ashley and I would always watch the show America's Got Talent together. And my dad had watched, I guess, one of the episodes on his own or watched part of it or probably seen it on YouTube or something. But anyway, he was like, I need to show you this really cool act on America's Got Talent. And it was Jackie Avenko, who, if you don't know who she is, she was a I mean, she's still alive, but she's not 10 anymore. She, at the time, was a 10-year-old opera singer who had gone on America's Got Talent. And we, in first grade, had watched the opera The Magic Flute in our music class. And so I was like, oh, I know what opera is. And I thought she was amazing. And I thought that was so cool and wanted her to win the show so badly. So I don't remember exactly where in this, process I decided that I wanted to start singing opera but I think it was 
a few months later, her first album had just come out. And so my dad bought us both the album. And right around this time, there was auditions for the school talent show. And so I convinced Ashley and one of our other friends to sing one of the songs off of her album with me to audition for the talent show. Our other friend ended up backing out and we did not get into the talent show. Guys, I, my dad printed out the lyrics to the, it was called Piesu, it was a song in Latin. My dad printed out the lyrics. I've never heard Latin in my, I mean, I'm sure at Trish I had heard people singing in Latin before, but I was completely making up the words. Every time I sang the songs, I would sing different words. Um, I remember we thought we figured out the words one time, but we were speaking English. Yes. <laughs> so I was not actually singing opera, but I thought I was, and I was very determined that I was going to be the next Jackie Yavinko. So my parents signed us up for singing lessons for our eighth birthday, and so we started going to singing lessons. We were just going to classical music teachers. They weren't, like, specialized for kids or anything, and then eventually we started going to a music school that was for kids. My singing teacher started teaching us musical theater songs, which at first I was so annoyed about because I was like, I I want to sing opera. What's this musical theater crud? But um, <laughs> in, that's a bad word. I learned some of the songs and had fun with it. And then my sister found auditions for a summer camp play, and she got in. I didn't get in, which it was really stupid because it was just a summer camp and you had to pay to be in it. So I don't know why it wasn't just like a register for it and be in it thing. Um, it's not like we, like, I didn't have any lines. Most of the kids didn't have lines, so it wouldn't have made any difference if they had her. Yeah. Anyway, so I didn't get in. I was very sad, but I was very excited for Ashley. I thought she was the coolest person ever that she was in this show. And then our school would do oral interpretation where you would go on stage and we could do a monologue or a poem or something. And so I did a monologue that my dad had found for me for that audition that you didn't have to have a monologue for it. You just stood in a circle and they would walk around and have you sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat and like listen to you for the show I didn't get into. But anyway, he had found a monologue for me because he had done some theater in high school and thought we might need monologues. So I did that monologue for oral interpretation. I won the school contest. Then I got to go to the area festival and I won first place in that and then thought that it was so much fun being on stage not just singing but acting too so then I basically sang and acted everywhere anywhere that I could I would go to church youth group and be like I want to sing for you before everyone leaves or like sing in front of my school every time that the teacher would let me I mean I was kind of fearless I'm pretty impressed with the how much I would just do it and was so confident in myself. Eventually, the next summer I got into a show. Well, I think I got into the summer camp show and then did some more, just kept doing theater. Then a couple years later, went to audition for the Colorado School of Acting, which was a film acting school, then fell in love with film acting and kind of stepped away from opera singing because I was never really getting better at it. I mean, I got a little bit better. I still love doing musical theater, but really got into film acting, and I guess the rest, as they say, is history, even though that was a 10-minute long <laughs> answer. Well, I think it's 10 minutes. Okay. So then you started performing, obviously, but then at what point did you decide that you wanted to do your own work? Oh, like writing? Yeah, like when did you decide you wanted to write and direct? And I mean, I'm speaking most specifically about when you 
decided to do letters, but I don't know okay. how long that was brewing. Definitely for a long time. I mean, it very much started probably when we were nine. We could have even been younger, but we would put on plays with our Barbies in our basement. I remember at the same time when we were doing these little summer camp and youth theater shows, I would write all of my own oh, shows yeah. on my iPod, iPod Touch in my little <laughs> notes app. Um, oh, I just have a quick side note about iPods. We are 20 now, obviously, if you listen to our 20th birthday episode, and I've never before in my life been one of those people who's, like, talking to kids and is like, oh my, oh my gosh. gosh, you guys are so young, you don't know what this is. But there's this theater game called iPod Shuffle where basically you just sing a bunch of different songs. We were teaching it to the kids in our theater camp last week, and these kids are 10 to 16, so they're not that much younger than us, but we said it was called iPod Shuffle, and we asked if any of them knew what an iPod Shuffle was, and none of them raised their hands. Some of them were like, I know what an iPad is. I have an iPhone. <laughs> it made us feel like we were 8 million years old. <laughs> Sorry. I'm no, that was a good story. Where was um, I? You the... used to write on your oh, iPod right. Touch. And then I think... It was probably when I was 12 when I first had the idea that I wanted to do a fundraiser play for the Fetal Health Foundation, which was my parents' nonprofit. I really wanted to do Annie at their annual fundraiser, The Great Candy I Run. remember that. We were going to call it Candy. Uh-huh. We were going to do a candy-themed Annie production. So oh, I, I forgot about I that. I think that was brewing from the time that I was 12 and then it went through a lot of different iterations of ideas. I had the idea for letters. It was a play about a twin who had lost her identical twin to twin to twin transfusion syndrome, which is what Ashley and I had. I think I went through different ideas of that probably starting when I was 14 because then I wrote the script when I was 15 and then did it the summer I turned 16. So I guess it wasn't that long. We always saw our parents doing stuff for their nonprofit and I just always wanted to help. I always wanted to fundraise. And I think that particular year was a really hard year for their foundation. They were trying so hard to raise funds and to be able to provide for people and help people. And they just weren't getting the donations that they needed. And I wanted to help. So I was like, well, I have this script. I really want to try to do this play. I mean, I also just really wanted to have the experience of directing, obviously, from the time that I was directing Barbies in my mm -hmm. basement. And I loved writing. I absolutely loved writing. And so I presented, I think I probably made a PowerPoint to present to my yeah, parents you did. Um, about why they should let me do it and the budget and things like that. And I was very surprised when they said yes, but they were amazingly supportive. My dad was one of the actors in it. And my mom came to every rehearsal, helped me with everything that I needed. Yeah, it was a really incredible experience to actually see it come to fruition because I never in a million years would have imagined that it would have actually been a success and mm -hmm. worked out. And we raised, I think, close to $1,500 for the foundation. So not a huge amount, but also I think we had three performances, maybe four. There was only 39 seats in the audience of the theater that we were using. So And tickets were free. Yeah. It felt like a pretty big accomplishment to me at the time. Yeah, I think so. It felt like a big accomplishment to me 
to me for you. <laughs> and now that you talk about it, I feel like I remember us, even in elementary school, we were writing plays and stuff. Every time our parents would have long car rides, I remember us bringing our iPods or our tablets and typing out play scripts and when they were like writing competitions or I can't remember what it was called, but it was some sort of young writers conference or something at school and we were always writing books and writing plays and when we were six or seven, one of our aunts or uncles got us a little like write your own book set and we started oh, yeah. this series of called Allie and Lily about these yeah. sisters. We and, should write Allie and Lily. Yeah, we should. That was a That's major good. side note, but I was just remembering. We that. spent a lot of time writing Allie and Lily yeah. books. I kind of feel like it was inevitable that we were going to start Stage Bugs <laughs> because it seemed like such a crazy idea and it seems like it was kind of an on-the-fly thing. Not really on-the-fly because we spent a year planning and preparing for it, but it was also just like a, oh, we're, not, we're 18 and we're going to start this theater company. What were kind of your thoughts when, because obviously we had both had this idea, but I was kind of the one who was actually telling you we should do this and so I'm curious what your thoughts were I guess before that before we started that what were you thinking your future was going to look like I mean two years ago obviously it wasn't like your future in 30 years but I'm just wondering I guess how that idea kind of came about for you and if you had always thought that you were going to do something like this or if it seemed like a new thing you know did that make any sense yeah i think it never would have even crossed my mind that it was in the realm of possibility that we would start something like stage bugs now i think that having my own theater company was definitely a dream of mine that i could imagine being in my future i was imagining just going to school going to college and doing internships in the summer or just working entry-level jobs trying to have money and I think I would have probably considered staying in LA depending on how my life was going. I definitely wanted to do the Disney College program, still do want to do that hopefully, but we'll see if that works out. But I think those were my big plans were just get through college, see what I can do during the summer to make money and if it is beneficial to my future career, great. And if not, then at least it helps me pay for college and then hopefully I will find a direction in life through college somehow and then along came stage bugs. yeah <laughs> I have no idea what my future is going to look like but I Ashley and I are both just obsessed with stage bugs we just are constantly thinking about it and planning about it and talking about it and I just keep telling Ashley stage bugs really derailed my plans for the rest of my life but I love it so much and I don't think that even if we do it for the rest of our lives. I don't think that it is going to prevent me from doing other things. I mean, literally, we had a stage books class tonight and we were filming our crime drama outside of the building that our class was in at 4.50. Class started at 5. Our first student got there. I finished the take, ran off set, said, great job, everyone. See you guys on Saturday and ran into the theater and said, hi, everyone, and checked them in. So I don't think that even if stage bugs continues to be our life mission that we will not be able to do other things and even if we end up being in LA and not being able to pursue stage bugs as full-time as we could it will definitely never go away even if it's a scholarship fund or something we always want to continue our mission of making theater education 
possible and accessible and fun and inclusive and all of those things. Yeah, and like you said, we just love it. Like if the students knew how obsessed with it we, we are, they might think it was a little creepy. <laughs> like, yeah. We just love all the kids and we love it so much. And when you said about the Disney College program, I was thinking, yeah, I really want to do that, but I can't imagine a whole nother semester not getting to do stage bugs. Yeah. Which is just kind of funny because I also don't, I don't imagine that I'm going to stay in Colorado and only do stage books for the rest mm -hmm, of my yeah, life. And I mean, I love stage books and I want to keep doing it, but I also, we're too ambitious to do one thing at yeah, a time. But this is just kind of our, our ambition is our Hamarsha a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Or I don't even know if it's ambition because it's not necessarily that we, I mean, I guess ambition because it's not necessarily that we're trying to be so successful and but we just want to do stuff. Like, yeah, we, we just have so many ideas and we want to do them all. Yeah. When we come up with an idea, it's just, I mean, not that we just come up with things and do it without thinking. But I was going to ask, and if you don't have an answer, that's fine. But if you have any thoughts now of what you plan for the future, what you want the future to look like. I want to do everything. I don't think I can answer that because I want to continue stage bugs. I love stage bugs. I really just love acting probably more than anything in the world. I mean, anything to do in the world and not more than like people, but I just can't imagine a life where I'm not acting on a regular basis. I also do really enjoy writing and I've enjoyed producing this crime drama a lot more than I thought I would, so I would really love to continue making my own work, having my own production company. I also love baking. I want my parents to open a frozen yogurt shop and then we can bake stuff for the yeah. frozen yogurt shop. I love Disney, so I would love to work for Disney. Still want to be the CEO? I mean, I feel like that'll be my retirement job, you know? Oh, your retirement yeah. will be the CEO of Disney? <laughs> that tracks. That seems like an Aspen thing yeah, to do. Yeah, I know. So, I can't imagine us being retired. I know. I don't think I'll ever be retired, retired. But, yeah, I, I don't really think I can answer that because just everything. Yeah. And do you want kids? Yes. I want two. Twins? Um, I wouldn't mind having twins, but... I don't think I'm going to, like, try for them, you know? Mm -hmm. Except I don't want to go through childbirth twice, but I also don't want to go through childbirth once, so I will probably adopt. <laughs> yeah, I, I worry that we wouldn't do well with childbirth. I know. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I feel like I didn't really ask you that much. But I know, but it's been a really long time. I'm interview. sorry. What, do you okay. want, what else do you want me to ask you? Can everybody hear Pumpkin whining outside the door? <laughs> Poor dog. I guess we are running out of time a little bit, so I should ask you our last questions that we ask everybody. Okay. I know these interviews went so fast, I feel like we need to have second Part two. Yeah, yeah, because there was a lot of stuff that I wanted to ask you that I didn't get to ask you. I mean, I want to do ask you about like medical gaslighting and all of your like... Mm all of, because I feel like that is like inspirational in a different way, but there's a lot of people who are going through, I mean, we could talk about this scary documentary we just watched, but like, there's a Did lot of- Did you finish that? Yeah. Oh. There's, Did it make you cry? The documentary? I finished it a long, I finished it the day I watched it before you even started it. Oh, I thought you said you hadn't finished it. No. Oh. Um, I think that there's a lot of people who just like need to hear that they're not alone and things like that mm -hmm. um yeah i think we should so, do an episode on that. yes and other stuff that we should yeah so we'll about. have to do more interviews but. yeah 
Okay, ask me okay. the last two questions. Um, what is your favorite inspirational quote, or do you have an inspirational quote that you would like to share with our listeners? Okay, I really like the one that is, what if I fall? Oh, but darling, what if you fly? Oh, good one. And pretty much anything that Winnie the Pooh has ever said. <laughs> What's your favorite Winnie the Pooh quote? Well, I kind of can't remember right now because I'm a little bit tired. That's okay. Um, we'll do an update. Okay, yeah, I'll come with it next week, I promise. It's not stress. It's poo. If you guys haven't watched the live-action Christopher Robin movie, turn off this podcast and go watch it. Yeah, seriously. it's It'll make you cry probably, but it's the cutest, happiest, adorablest movie ever. I know adorablest isn't a word, but it's just so adorable that I had to invent that word. Uh-huh. Then my last question for you is, you already are an identical twin, so I can't ask you if you would want one, but do you like being an identical twin, or would you choose to be a fraternal twin or a sibling or an only child. I'm surprised that you would ask that because I feel like we've talked about that. It's kind of hard to answer because we don't know what it would be like. Like, I can't answer, do I like being an identical twin versus not being an identical twin? Because I don't know. Maybe I would love not being an identical twin, but I feel like none of the things that I do in my life would be possible without you because we just are 99% of the time on the same wavelength and you're my business partner and my best friend and my crazy idea partner in crime, like literal, I mean not literal crime, but like literal partners in crime except for not crime. Yeah, not a legal crime, just like crazy things. So I kind of can't imagine how I would survive not being an identical twin with Mm -hmm. you. I mean, of course, I would love to have other siblings too but but also do you think that would affect our relationship or affect the way that we do things together and always work together if we had other siblings or not really I mean I think it depends because if we had a lot of other siblings or if we had siblings who were a year or two younger than us I think it might and maybe we would love the things that that person did and hang out with them instead but I think I mean maybe not but I kind of feel like if our parents had a baby when we were in middle school or high school now I think that it would be a big enough age gap that it would still be us and then our not that our little sister wouldn't be included just that like she would be Aspen and Ashley's little sister not like oh it's Ashley and the little sister today and Aspen and the little sister tomorrow well yeah but if they had one now yeah but then you would be gone in two months and not get to see her well I would stay home. Um, well also she she would need nine months to be born so I'd be almost graduated from college right that's maybe true. I should get pregnant and then I can have a baby as soon as I finish college <laughs> good idea you heard it here first folks <laughs> congrats Ashley thank you all right if anyone wants to donate some um sperm <laughs> I think we're going to wrap this up now. Thank you, Aspen, for joining us for this interview. Thanks for having me. Talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.